You're listening to the Behavioral Wealth Podcast with Dr. Dan Pallison. Dr. Dan is a licensed clinical psychologist, a speaker, and a financial advisor. He serves as the Chief of Investor Behavior at Keystone Wealth Partners. Dr. Dan is passionate about helping people tap into the behaviors that bring about wealth, health, and happiness. And now, here's Dr. Dan. All right. Well, welcome to the Behavioral Wealth Podcast. I'm Dr. Dan, and I am thrilled to be joined once again by Kenny Gatliff, CFA. Kenny, how are you doing? Hey, Dan. Uh, thanks for inviting me back on. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm doing well and enjoying being right in the heart of March Madness. I think this is when we talked last year, so I feel like we've got kind of a, a recurring appointment set up for this time each year now. Yeah, that's right. That's 100% why I wanted you on is just to talk basketball, uh, March Madness. You're, you you continue to be the king of brackets. I think every time I've been in some sort of March Madness pool, you either win the whole thing or have some kind of a payout. So, yeah, well, so I don't so know what. Hope we keep it going. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, no, you're right. I mean, the madness is upon us. We're recording this. Uh, uh, the Sweet 16 is about to tip off in a few days. Um so I, I think I set a new record this year for how quickly my bracket was busted. I had Kentucky uh-huh. in the championship game. They, as you know, lost in the very first day of the tournament to St. Peter's, who's still alive. So the Cinderella this, uh, story this year defeated my uh, my pick for the championship game. So I'm, I might be out of it already, but how, how's your bracket looking? Yeah, not too bad. <clears throat> picked a couple good upsets. So it kind of depends on, you know, if you get the right final four. So I've still got my final four alive, which, you know, that's all that matters at this point. That's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Well, here's what I'd like to do today, Kenny. Um, I was, I was reviewing my own bracket and it occurred to me that I was um, exhibiting some of the cognitive biases that I talk a lot about with clients. So I thought we could have some fun, you know, seeing how, how my bracket exemplifies my own cognitive biases and what is your take as the portfolio manager, what you see uh, from an investment standpoint? So how, how do you feel about okay. that? Yeah, sounds like fun. Okay, so uh, I have like three or four. So let's let's start with, and by the way, uh, the listeners, I'm going to post uh, a picture of my bracket on Instagram. So if you care at all, <laughs> and you may not, uh-huh. uh, but if you do, you, you, can, you can see the bracket itself on Instagram. But let me start by uh, talking about who I did not pick. So the number one seed in this whole, uh, in this whole pool of teams was Gonzaga. And okay. I did not even pick them to go to the final four. And the reason for that is they continue to be a, a heavily favored team that just does not get it done. They cannot win the championship in the past. And so I let their past performance really influence uh, how I thought they might perform this year. I, I believe that I'm exhibiting uh, what would be considered the gambler's fallacy, where, where past results do not have an impact on the current probability of success yet we feel like mm-hmm. it does. So, so Kenny, uh, is, is that, is that in case, in fact, the case, am I uh, a bad gambler and where <laughs> do you see some of the correlations with, with investing? Yeah. So it's fine. And this is honestly one of the reasons I love sports so much is that it does parallel so well to many facets of life and investing certainly one of them. And it's funny, I was actually just making this joke. Uh, I was watching some games with friends this weekend and uh, I forget who was playing, but one of the teams, you know, they they were a perpetually good team. And the announcer made the comment, you know, I really like them down the stretch because they've got, got experience. You know, they've been here for, you know, six of the last eight years. They've made the tournament or some comment along those lines. And we were kind of joking. It's like literally no one that's on the court today. And they even had a new coach, I believe. Like, <laughs> no one involved in this was on any of those teams that 
were in the final four that made the tournament six years ago. But for whatever reason, you know, that kind of sticks with us is, you know, if, if we know that they have success in the past, even if it doesn't have any correlation to the future, for whatever reason, kind of in our gut, it makes us feel more confident that, you know, they'll continue to have success in the future. And, and you're right, that, that's definitely a good parallel to investing in that, you know, if there's segments of the market or countries or individual companies that have had, you know, success in the past, and, you know, we see this most in, in actual fund managers, right? So, if, mm. you know, the Fidelity Magellan Fund or, you know, whatever hedge fund you might have heard of, if, if they have this great track record of performance, there's this idea saying, you know, well, I know that I know this name, I know they've done well. And so therefore, they're probably more likely to do well in the future. And, and you're right, that is just straight fallacy. You know, th- there's no good research showing whether it be a fund manager or, you know, some highly touted bro- broker, hedge fund manager, there, there's very, very little correlation between kind of what they did in the past and what they will then continue to do in the future. So that that is definitely, you know, one of those fallacies that is easy to fall for because it does have some plausibility. Um, but it, it is unfortunately one that, you know, we see a lot of investors end up getting hurt by doing that that type of thing because oftentimes, you know, what did well in the past, it, you know, it did, may have done well because they were taking on some risk that hit and that risk doesn't necessarily kind of play out in the future. So what you're getting potentially is something that might be more risky than you otherwise would want to take on, but you have this sense of confidence and kind of, and you can end up getting burned by that. Yeah. Um, so I think you're hundred percent correct in terms of you know, making that connection. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. I, I didn't even make the, the, the connection with fund managers themselves. And I think that's a great point. You know, another thing I, another thing that comes to my mind and it's from a lot of the coaching that you put together uh, for the firm here is, you know, I know you've compared like, like, you know, the S and P 500 to, you know, small value. And you look at like decades long, like what, what is performing better? And oftentimes they're, they're sort of flip-flopping and you might have one mm-hmm. asset class perform well for an entire decade. And then the next decade it flips. And so, it, so me not picking Gonzaga this year is essentially looking at like the last 10 years in small value and saying, well, small value hasn't performed well. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to put them in my portfolio this year. Right. But it, it really has nothing to do. You know, their performance this year has, has little to do with, you know, what they've done in the past. So yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Uh, okay. Uh, two, uh, two of four. So my second uh, buy, bias that I recognized was let's talk about uh, some of my final four teams. So here's who I do have in the final four. I've got, I've got Kentucky, I've got Duke, I've got Kansas. I mean, these are, you know, the top programs in the company, yeah. or the company in the country when it comes to uh, uh, men's basketball. And I do think that as I was going through, because of my familiarity with these programs and with these names that I was, I, I know they're higher seeds anyway, but I think I'm more inclined to choose them uh, in my final four because I'm so familiar with them. And that would be exhibiting what's called the availability heuristic. <clears throat> and what that is, is the more, the more readily available in our own memory that something is, it will influence uh, our prediction of its probability. So if I can picture something, or if I can think of something, you know, not necessarily recently, that'd be more recency bias, but if I, if something is easily can easily come to mind, I'm more likely to assume that that will, you know, have a higher probability of success. So I think I'm exhibiting some availability heuristics. So what have you seen in terms of portfolios, you know, people choosing these bigger names or these bigger companies and, and consisting their entire portfolio of some of these types of companies? Yeah. So I, I think there's kind of 
two issues at hand here. And, and the first is, you know, just the idea of the blue bloods, right? The, those companies that you've heard of, um, you know, and they are available in your mind, you know, that, that's what t- people tend to want to invest in, especially if they know the product or use the product or service this company. And, you know, you see that a lot, you, you get Apple and Netflix and, you know, Microsoft, and people are really familiar with these um, products and what they offer, and they know that they're good companies. And so they think that, you know, that must mean that they're a good stock, you know, to own. And that must mean that, you know, in order to make good returns, you have to get these good companies. And no one wants this, you know, small startup company that, you know, they have never heard of, or even kind of a mid-sized company that they're just not that familiar with. And that's why, you know, when we see statements come in for those that are kind of choosing individual stocks, almost always, it is these very familiar um, companies that, you know, people own. And, you know, not that they're necessarily bad. It's just the fact that, you know, that that does mean that you are potentially missing out on um, one, diversification, and two, just, uh, you know, some other companies that you may not have heard of that end up, you know, doing really, really well. You know, for example, no one had heard of Google and, um, you know, some of the tech companies, you know, before they they blew up and they they were just kind of small, you know, mm-hmm. startup in the garage type of companies. And I think that the second issue here is kind of what I alluded to there with the diversification is, you know, people think, you know, because Apple or Microsoft are such big, well-known companies, they say, you know, surely these companies will never go bankrupt. You know, they'll never end up, you know, losing market share. And, and that might be right, but that doesn't mean that they can't, the stock price can't, you know, plummet in value or, or at least can't keep up with an overall diversified portfolio. And I, I think that's actually kind of the more dangerous fallacy to say, look, you know, I've got a bunch of companies that I kind of know. I kind of know that they're good companies. I feel really secure. And it's that kind of false sense of security. And, you know, it's like, it's a, a good connection to your, your tournament picks too. You, you just feel like, you know, oh, I've seen Duke there so often, Kentucky there so often, surely, you know, they'll end up getting to the final four. They'll end up, mm-hmm. you know, outperforming some of the even, you know, evenly seated teams that might not have that same <clears throat> reputation. And, you know, you can get lulled into this false sense of security that, you know, that familiarity breeds um, confidence. And yeah. so I, I definitely see that kind of in both arenas. And that's a good transition to the third bias bias that I uh, recognize is overconfidence because I, I don't watch a lot of basketball, uh, uh, especially college basketball. And, and more and more, you know, as years goes go by and, and I've got my boys, like I'm just, I, there's less time for me to watch basketball yet. When I fill out the bracket, I feel really <laughs> confident. So I have this overconfidence when I'm like, this is my year. I've got it this year. I might even complete that perfect bracket that no one's been able to attain. <laughs> like I've got a lot of confidence going in. Um, and then everything crumbles and my bracket gets busted. But but can you speak to some uh, the overconfidence bias that we see in investors sometimes? Yeah. So I think there's two things that really kind of hit this. And one is the one of the things that I think is the most dangerous in investing is this idea of plausibility. And people, you know, if you watch this, if you watch the pregame shows in college basketball, for example, you know, they're they always say something, you know, like Duke's defense is number one in the nation. And against guard heavy play and you watch that and you're like, oh, well, of course they can't lose that. That makes so much sense. And then you watch the game and it never plays out like they think it will. And so it's this kind of the idea of in the stock picking world, you know, if something sounds plausible and, and you can read this, you know, in your Forbes magazine or whatever else, you know, this company is, you know, is set up to, you know, take off and have huge returns. And here's why they only have 1% of market share, but they'll end up having 10%. And, you know, all these things sound plausible. And so it does give you that sense of confidence that, yeah, this actually is kind of 
you know, where the future is going to take us. This does make a lot of sense to hold mm-hmm. in the portfolio. And so I, I think that is, you know, really the, you know, one of the most dangerous things, whether they're picking stocks or picking basketball is the sense of plausibility, not actually determining, you know, Mm -hmm. what really happens. And then Mm -hmm. the second one, which is more directly related to overconfidence is just past success. You know, if if you picked stocks well in the past, or you did well in your bracket last year, it kind of makes you think you're, you know, invincible and you're bulletproof and whatever you're choosing, like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. I I can't get this wrong. Um, And obviously, you know, as we know, as people who pick basketball games a lot, you know, Doing one, doing well does not make you a good bracket picker, um, just like in in stock picking. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, it's that Vegas sentiment of, you know, you remember your wins and you forget your losses. And that's also really dangerous. Yep. Yep. I might have shared this on the podcast before, but I remember when I first learned how to play blackjack by the book, like when I first put together the odds of certain hands, you know, against the Mm -hmm. dealer and 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 then I went to Vegas and I played blackjack and I sat down at a table and I ended up winning some money. And the, the connection that I made was I am invincible. Now I figured out how to play blackjack and I sat down and I won money. Like I will never lose again. And, uh, (laughs) when I returned to Vegas the next time, I mean, I, I sat down and just like, you know, Vince Vaughn and in swingers or not Vince Vaughn. Anyway, you know what I, you know, the reference I put money down and I lost it instantly. And it was just like, Oh, wait a minute. This is gambling. Like I don't have an ability that other people, you know, don't have access to, but okay. For the sake of time, I'm going to move us along. And the final bias that I recognized was, uh, it, it came in the form of my, of my pick to win it all. So Kenny, we're recording here in the state of Arizona, uh, which mm-hmm. is a great state to be this time of year. So it's gorgeous here. Uh, but I picked, uh, Arizona to, to win it all. And I think that I'm exhibiting some home bias. So can you talk about the danger of home bias, especially with what's going on in the world recently? Yeah. And and this kind of parallels a lot of the other topics in that, you know, we we choose something with some level of confidence that's probably not based on reality or factual um, data. And and we see this in investing. You know, I I saw a study recently said, you know, I think in the U.S., um, the average U.S. investor's portfolio has I think 70 or 75% of their holdings are US-based companies. And it's actually even more extreme in some other countries. Um, And one that really kind of caught our attention recently was uh, Russian investors had 95% of their portfolios in Russian stock. And, you know, for those that have been paying attention recently, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine and there's been all these, uh, you know, not just boycotts and sanctions, um, but also kind of, you know, technological type sanctions. Mm -hmm. And one of them was, Essentially, they they cut off the Russian stock market to the rest of the world, and these Russian stocks essentially went to zero. You know, mm-hmm. it, if if you're if you haven't owned a stock that's listed on a Russian exchange, it's basically valueless now. Mm-hmm. And so, if you think of those Russian investors that have all of their life savings in Russian stocks, or ninety five percent, which may as well be a hundred, mm-hmm. and all, all of a sudden it's valueless, you know that you know there's nothing more detrimental than having something concentrated that can blow up on you. And I think most people say, oh, well, we're in the US, you know, we don't have that type of volatility. And, you know, maybe not. It's very, very unlikely that overnight US stocks become valueless. But that kind of def- isn't exactly the point. The, the point being is you still concentrated in one thing just because you have a you know false sense of confidence in it. And then there's no reason that we have to think that US stocks are going to outperform the rest of the world. But certainly, 
you know, there's no reason to think that they also can't, you know, underperform. And again, that's not me predicting that. It's just saying it's a possibility. And if, mm-hmm. if you're so overweight and have 80, 90, 100% of your portfolio in one country, well, then you're exposing yourself to the risk of that one country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely something that we see probably more than any, even these other ones that we've talked about being uh, very prominent and, you know, just even more astute clients that we talk to. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, Kenny. Thanks for your time. I love just getting into the weeds of the of the parallels between sports and finance, and and I could mm-hmm. talk about this stuff all day. So I just I thank you for your time, and I look forward to next year at March Madness when you hop back on the podcast. All right, sounds good. I'll be here. All right. Well, thanks again to Kenny Gatliff for joining this week. I always have such a good time nerding out with him around sports and finance and behavioral finance and behavioral biases and just all this good stuff. You know, Kenny really is this just incredible thought leader. It just has such a, a, an interesting and, and great take on all things finance. If you're interested in some of the stuff that Kenny's put out, he has a great blog called On the Money. If you go to keystonewealthpartners.com, you can find a link to the On The Money blog. And if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. That really helps to get the word out about behavioral wealth. And before acting on anything regarding your finances, please seek the counsel of an independent financial advisor. If you're looking for a place to start, you can check out thebehavioralwealthpodcast.com where you can schedule a free phone consultation with me to help you down the path towards behavioral wealth. Thank you so much for listening. Here's to creating the rhythm in our lives that brings about wealth, health, and happiness. I'm Dr. Dan. This was the Behavioral Wealth Podcast.